Have you ever wondered why it's so difficult to break bad habits or even to get awareness that you have a bad habit to begin with? And are you interested in learning more about how to break these bad habits and what might help you gain awareness and gain the ability to reprogram yourself? And have you heard about psychedelics, in particular ayahuasca, being promoted as a way to do this from characters as outrageous as, say, Joe Rogan to people who are very conservative and not who you would think would even talk about it, like Michael Pollan, the journalist who wrote In Defense of Food, in addition to many other books. Well, if you're interested in hearing about my own personal ayahuasca experience that I had last night, that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. What is up, my friend? I'm health expert Ted Rice, coach to CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other high-performing professionals. And what we say we do here at Legendary Life is break down science-based information on how to lose fat, prevent disease, and live a longer, healthier life. And what we do on Fridays, though, is a bit different. We have a real conversation about things and stuff. Muchas cosas, because I'm still in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And if you're interested in spending a week with me where I coach you through how to level up in your nutrition and exercise routine to lose two, three, four pounds in one week, and you feel like that's something that's right for you, especially during these stressful times, even though things are starting to open back up, then you wanna join my free seven-day quarantine comeback challenge. We use home workouts. We do things that require nutritionally no special foods and people get results. People have even said that the week with me in the free comeback challenge has changed their life. And I want you to know there's no strings attached. This is simply the best way I know how to help you. And the other thing that the other reason we do it besides to help is because if you're looking for someone to work with, to help you get to that next level with your health, with fat loss, with mastering yourself in this area, and you're looking for someone to help, but you're not sure if I really have the goods, well, you can come try it for a week and make up your mind from there. So if that's what you're interested in, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge. That's legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge. Had to pull my radio voice. Sometimes I feel a bit radio-y. And if you ever hear that, that's just me trying to do my best. But sometimes trying too hard leads uh, to the opposite of the result that you want. So let's jump into today's conversation. Had a crazy night last night. And before I go there and share with you, what happened and the lessons that I took away from it, I want to put this into context. So I talked about recently how I smoked DMT in the form of changa recently, and now I'm, you know, drinking the DMT in the form of ayahuasca. And what I want to tell you is I'm not promoting this stuff to say that you should do it. And I don't want you coming away thinking that it's right for you. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about helping you decide whether it's right for you. Because last night was a bit nightmarish, to be quite frank. 
And I certainly don't think it's for everyone. But it, so if you have a closed mind about this, but perhaps some curiosity, I just want to assuage your concerns if you think that I'm going to be promoting drugs. That said, more and more research is coming out on psychedelics from psilocybin, which is found in magic mushrooms, to MDMA, which is the party drug ecstasy, also known across the the pond as disco biscuits, because you take them before you go to the club, and um, ayahuasca, DMT, which is not for parties at all. Well, it's a certainly a different type of party. So let me tell you the story. I had that Chonga experience and it created a shift in my consciousness where I'm kind of ra- trying to rationalize it right now, but I can just say it very simply like this. I felt better after doing it. And there was a measurable result because I, I've been struggling talking with my dad. He's dealing with some end of life issues. He's struggling with chronic pain. As a result, he's taking pain pills and I'm trying to get through to him. But I found myself in a pattern of parenting him in a very aggressive, non-loving way. Kind of like, get your shit together, man, type of way. And although it was well-meaning, it was disconnecting us It was causing him stress. It was causing me stress. And he, worst of all, he's like, Ted, I just feel like you have no empathy. Makes me tear up a little bit to say that right now because I have nothing but love for him. And I want to ask you, do you feel like you have love for people in your life, but it comes out the wrong way? In a way, the wrong way, what do I mean by that? In a way that is not connecting you further and making them feel supported, but disconnecting you, causing you stress, them stress, and feeling like, oh man, I don't, you know, this relationship is turning quite sour. So I had a a positive shift in that regard when I, after smoking the DMT, and I felt like I wanted to go deeper. And there was a ayahuasca ceremony here happening in Tulum, which is about an hour south of Playa del Carmen. It's regarded as a more spiritual place. It kind of reminds me, if you've ever been to Bali, kind of reminds me of Ubud in Bali compared to, say, Changu, which is where I'm staying now. Changu, in case you don't know, it's where all the Aussies hang out on the beach and surf and party and drink. Ubud's more about spirituality, culture. You go to the yoga barn in Ubud, for those of you who have been out there and know what I'm talking about. So I took the trip there, didn't know, I I met, I went with a girl who I smoked DMT with. She told me about it and we went together. And uh, it's very different than if you've been listening to this show for a long time, it's very different than my first experience drinking ayahuasca where I I, I went to a luxury resort basically and spent a week there, drank drank four nights in a row. Uh, But also we did breath work. Uh, There were classes, there were talks. There were teachings, there was community. So we got to know each other. We got to share in these experiences together. We shared with each other afterward about what our experiences were. And this was nothing like it. So I showed up and it was being held in an echo house, which is a very 
cool and bougie way of saying is that house with, with, with that lets the bugs in. I get in there. It was cool. A really cool house, right? Just it, it's a quite large house, very open inside, very high ceilings, super high. Could have been three stories easily, but it was just a big open space. So it was cool in that regard, but it was open to the outside in that bugs were coming in. And I was on the floor on a yoga mat with some blankets. And man, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I have a herniated disc in my back and I've managed it quite well. I do Thai boxing. I, I work out a lot, but it can act up and it has been acting up a bit. And uh, I guess since the whole coronavirus thing kicked off, had it more managed before. So right when I get there, I'm like, man, I don't want to be here right now. I could be in my comfortable bed in this apartment that I've rented watching Netflix on the nice big smart TV that is in my bedroom. But here I am. It's hot. It's in the jungle, although it did cool down. And there's creepy crawlies. Literally, there was a scorpion on the wall that they caught and then put outside. Now, it wasn't one of the poisonous ones. It was a black scorpion, which are the okay ones, I guess, if I remember that correctly. And I told them ahead of time, listen, I, I don't want a big dose. I want to take a smaller dose. Uh, I feel quite rattled. My nervous system feels sensitive. I'm, I don't need much, but I'm here. And so... They explained the rules of the ceremony, how they were going to run it, the certain rules that we had to follow. And what they included basically was you keep silent, right? You hold silence. You don't talk to people. It's a very strange experience. I mean, there's some, there's some way, uh, there's some uh, situations where that changes, but you hold noble silence. So there's no talking. There's, uh, they play live music, which was really incredible. But there's no clapping or going, yay, that was awesome, man. I mean, a few things slip out here and there because we're all human, but it's not cool to keep doing it. You got to catch yourself and, right, part of the experience is not just taking this substance, it's following the rules of the ceremony. So we all go up and drink and then we lay back and I'm on that hard floor like, oh man, it's hard to get comfortable. And I brought two big pillows from where I'm staying. Still is quite difficult, but I figured they give me a small dose. So I'll be okay. And it starts to kick in and then it gets a little bit more intense and a little bit more intense and a little bit more intense and a little bit more intense. And it gets to the point where I can no longer lay down. And one of the other rules is like, hey, listen, you can get up and go outside as much as you want. Uh, You can use the bathroom as much as you want. Obviously, if you make noise when you throw up or, um, you know, a lot of what they call purging, right? So you may have heard of that. You may throw up on ayahuasca or make a number two, get disaster pants, get diarrhea. So, Obviously, you know, I mean, you run to the bathroom for the the diarrhea part, but, you know, we have these buckets that we throw up into. And so this stuff just is kicking my ass. I walk outside. I am like, fuck, oh, this is more than what I wanted. I did not want this much. Um, and I find myself resisting this in this situation. And this is where the first lesson comes, the victimization. 
that I do to myself. And so many of us do to themselves. And that's why I'm bringing it up and sharing my stories because I want you to compare it to your story. It's like, why is this happening? Uh, I didn't want this much. I didn't, I asked them for less, but I could have even asked for less than that. But I didn't do it. But I'm not thinking those things. I'm thinking like, oh gosh, I asked them to not give me this much. This is way more than I wanted. It's coming on to intense. And if you're wondering, well, what do you mean by intense? Well, imagine, let's say you're looking at something. If your eyes are open, you're looking at something right now. And you're very certain about what you see. For me, I'm looking at my computer, my mic. There's a vase with some fake flowers hanging out of it on a table, several chairs around it, placemats to eat on. And I'm 100% certain like, oh, this is reality, right? This is, I, I touch this desk. Uh, these placemats will work if I place my plate on them. Well, imagine whatever you're seeing breaking into pieces and flying everywhere. If you ever seen the Marvel superhero movie, my favorite Marvel superhero movie, Doctor Strange, when Doctor Strange touches the, oh gosh, I forgot her name, but uh, it's not the supreme leader, that's North Korea, but the, the guardian, no, that's not it either, but the, the person who's in charge, right? And she hits him, knocks his astral body out of his physical body and his astral body goes on this journey that's completely terrifying to him. And he's just flying around in space and through the cosmos and just completely yelling and screaming the entire time. Do you, have you seen that movie? Do you remember the part that I'm talking about? And if you haven't seen that movie, definitely see it. It's one of the best Marvel movies out and it's my favorite uh, for a number of reasons, because uh, it takes place in Asia, which is, I left my a piece of my heart there. Kind of chokes me up even thinking about that. But uh, what happens is yeah, I went through this experience that was kind of like that, just reality breaks apart. Now, I wasn't flying through space. I was laying on a bench outside, just overwhelmed by the weight of the experience. Not only are you experiencing things visually, but you're experiencing physiological effects. So your heart's beating faster. Your mouth gets dry. It brings up anxiety. It brings up fear. And from the resistance, the, the like, like, Oh, I didn't want this to happen. It's like, well, okay, well, why are you here? If you didn't want to go through this, nobody put a gun to your head and said, said you should come, but yet here you are. Nobody told you to drink it, yet you did. You could have asked for less, yet you didn't. And there is no going back once you punch the ticket. There's only going forward. Kind of reminds me of like the coronavirus quarantine craziness we're all going through. It's kind of like an ayahuasca experience. You're like, man, I don't want this to happen. I didn't ask for this. Now, now we didn't choose to have that happen. So that's in, in a way we are victimized by it. But the second lesson is like, there's no way back. There is only the way through. You must get through this. And you can either get through this, and I'm talking about the ayahuasca ceremony, just to be clear. You can either get through this and get through this in a way that's productive, that helps you, or you can walk out of here traumatized, beat up by it. 
taking nothing away, but wow, that really sucked, which is not what I wanted, not what I signed up for. And so one thing that started happening is I started thinking when I was, I was like, why is this so intense? I asked them for a light dose. And I started thinking back to Claire, who was pouring the ayahuasca into the cup, aka the medicine. Um, I'm not going to use the verbiage that a lot of people use when they talk, talk about ayahuasca because I feel it serves to disconnect people who aren't part of that part of that group, right? So a lot of words come up, a lot of jargon rather comes up. So they talk about the medicine and mother ayahuasca. I'm not going to do that to you. So I feel like it's going to disconnect you from it. And you're going to think that I've gotten weird, which I've always been weird. So back to the lesson, when she was pouring the ayahuasca into the cup, I saw her look at me and she kind of judges they kind of read you to pour how much. And I saw her pour a little bit more and then just a little bit more, just a drop more two times. And I'm thinking back to that because I'm wondering why it's hitting me so hard. And I'm like, wow, maybe she wants to mess me up, give me this really intense experience. Maybe, maybe I gave off a bad vibe. Like maybe, maybe I was acting a bit douchebaggy. Maybe I wasn't acting properly. And then I started freaking out and like, man, I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to fight with people. I want to be cool with people. I want to connect. I want to show people that I care. And I felt bad about myself. And I also was like, like, did she do this to me on purpose? Is she hurting me on purpose? Because I remember I could visualize her just pouring a little bit more and a little bit more. And I was like, did she do that to me on purpose? And so I'm struggling with this in my mind and my heart's beating fast. And as I said, reality as I know it is breaking around me. I'm having these waves of intense sensations going through my face and body. Sounds like a nightmare, right? <laughs> and it's like, how do I get through it? Because I know it's just a matter of time before it's over. I know that for sure. It's going to be over. It will not last forever. My body will process it. It will wear off. And I, what I had to find is what is something that can get me through this experience? And the word that I found for me in that moment was trust. I needed to trust in the people that I was with and trust Claire who poured the, med the, the medicine. And... Um, I needed to trust. And I realized, you know what? I don't trust people. I think I get a little paranoid, actually. And this is outside ayahuasca. This is in my normal life. I'm a little paranoid about people sometimes. I think that they think bad things about me. And I'm like, man, I'm having this issue. And I've already experienced that a little bit recently, sitting down at a cafe here in Playa del Carmen on La Quinta, which is the popular Fifth Avenue, where all the tourists hang out. And actually, I try to stay away from that area as much as possible. But uh, the waiter came over and said, oh, if you're going to order a drink, you need to order something to eat as well. And I thought he was pulling a gringo on me, like he was taking advantage of me. And I have this kind of wall up where I think people are kind of automatically taking advantage of me sometimes. 
right? In new situations with new people. Now, this is a side that you probably don't get to see from me, see about me or experience from me because, I mean, I'm just here talking, obviously, um, you know, my clients in my coaching group don't get to experience this from me either. At least now I'm thinking about it, do they? But not that I can think of right now. But here I am, like this is in my personal life, right? And I need to trust more. And um, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Another thing is the whole reason I was there. It's like, why are you really here tonight? Why did you end up here? And I started to realize the answer to that question was I was in a great place. I've spent the past two years in Asia up to the end of 2019 and then spent the first quarter of the year in Colombia. And um, I, I was having a great time. I made some amazing things happen in my business. Some amazing things happened for me personally. Even during the coronavirus, I used it as a way to level up in so many ways. But one thing I, I don't, I shared a little bit, maybe I, I came in between Asia, coming back from Thailand, going to Colombia. I stayed with my dad for a week. I think it was a week. It might've been two weeks, but I stayed at the beginning of the year for a week. And it was just, he was in such a bad state. I had come home ready to love him, to have great experiences with him. I brought him gifts and he was just in this terrible place, physically, psychologically. He was zonked out on not the pain pills he's on now, which is Tramadol, which is quite light, but he was taking um, Oxycontin and he was just a complete mess and very angry and, and, and just fighting and just very difficult to connect to. And I left after a week. I couldn't handle it. And then May 30th, as you probably know, I found myself there again because my dad ended up in the ER and he needed me to be there for him. And showing up to him and being there with him for the three months that I was in South Florida took a toll on me. So I, I know how to be strong when I'm not around my dad. I know how to get things done when I'm not around my dad, when I'm not being sucked into his life, sucked into his problems. But I got sucked in bad. I've got to take my... Some, I'm wearing a huge... <laughs> <laughs> sombrero. I got to take it off because it's making my head itch. I was just kind of trying to get myself in the mood here. <laughs> so I had to take it off though. So I got sucked into it. And I want to ask you, have you gotten sucked into someone you care about, someone in, into their drama, into their life, into their where they're stuck? And you thought you could help them and pull them up, but you're the one that got pulled down. Could even be a business partner could be a friend, could be your wife or husband or kids or parents. And what I realized is that the thing that I needed to do is I needed to... So my dad and I were clashing. And one of the reasons I came to Playa del Carmen was to get away from that clash, to get away from the triggering that was happening. And just like I realized after smoking the changa, I realized it at a deeper level, like I need to support my dad. I need to show him love. I need to really be there for him and support him. And I also need to set a boundary to protect myself because I, I got hurt in the process of caring for him over the past three months. 
In fact, he texted me this morning and I'm like, ah, you know what? I told him today, I, I, he wanted to, me to call him and he's all messed up. He just had a surgery. I talked to him after the surgery, just in case you're wondering. So I did check up on him, but this is a day after and he's complaining because he thinks he's going to get stuck in the hospital because doctors just want to whole nother conversation. Maybe we should have for Real Talk Fridays about how elderly people are mistreated, at least in Florida in the medical system. They're just held against their will sometimes. And uh, just so that doctors and hospitals can milk their insurance when they're like, Ooh, this guy's got great insurance. And he's very worried about that, but he does need to convalesce before he goes back home. And I just set the boundary. I said, dad, I love you, but I can't talk today. I will call you either later on or I'll call you tomorrow. I love you. Please get well, feel great. And sending you a big hug. And it got me thinking, I, when I was there for the three months back in central Florida or South Florida, technically, what happened is I got sucked into old patterns and it, and it beat me up. And if you've been listening to me on the Real Talk Fridays, you might've even noticed a shift in my personality ever since I had been back in Florida coming from Columbia. In fact, because of stepping in for my dad, I, uh, there were a group of people in my coaching group that had to give extra weeks to, because I felt like I did, I spent too much time with him and I didn't give enough to them. So I made up for it by giving them additional weeks. And if you were part of the people in that group, I hope nobody complained, but, uh, cause it's like, Ooh, extra week. Hell yeah. It was the, was the overall vibe, but you know, I, I wanted to make good on on what we were, what we said we were going to do for people. And when we felt like I wasn't doing my job at a great level, I wanted to make sure that they knew that I cared enough to do my best and give them additional time, something I haven't shared. So coming back to it, I got stuck in a pattern of behavior where he was, he's a ball buster, he's angry and mean, and I was getting that way. And we were clashing and it was getting nowhere. It was causing us both stress. And we were stuck in this pattern that we couldn't get out of. Have you ever been in something like that before? So I needed to get space and I needed to get awareness about what was happening. And then I needed to change my behavior, but I was having a tough time doing it. I was meditating every day. I was hitting the gym. I was doing all those things that most of us do. In fact, many of you don't even meditate. And kind of the, the, the lesson I hope you're taking away is, You've got to really find something that works when you're stuck in such a dire situation because I, this is the end of my dad's life. I don't know if he has six months, 12 months. I mean, he can't have more than two years unless some, a miracle happens, right? And at the same time, I can't let my business fall apart. I can't let myself fall apart and just give everything to him until he dies because I'm going to have to be the one left over. And then I'll have to pick up the pieces then, and it'll be even worse. So I'm not saying that you've got to smoke chonga or do ayahuasca to get that kind of awareness to break those patterns, those deep patterns. But what I would say is keep trying things until you find something that works. There, oh, and I'm in therapy once a week. I'm meditating every week, uh, every day, almost, right? Almost every single day and sometimes multiple times a day. 
it's my secret weapon. Like, how do you do calls? One of my clients asked me, well, how do you do calls every day? Like six calls or seven calls with clients every day. It's like meditation. I meditate in between. It clears my mind. Sometimes I use exercise, but mostly it's meditation because exercise can be too draining sometimes. And so I was in therapy, doing meditation, working out, doing cardio. And yet it wasn't giving me the breakthrough that I needed. And after last night, it was like, boom, it hit me hard. It's like, showed me, it showed me this. And I think um, this is an important lesson, something that I want you to pay attention to right now, if you will. So many of us, We've, and it comes back to the initial lesson about victimization. We'll look at President Trump. We'll look at the coronavirus. We'll look at you know people in our life. We'll point the finger, point the finger, point the finger, point the finger. It's you, you, you. You're making my life bad. You're making my life bad. You're making my life bad. And one of the reasons why last night was such a nightmare is that it wasn't about my story. And um, you know, my my mother, my biological mother, popped up. I saw my dad, but the story is, you know, about my brother being murdered, uh, my sister committing suicide. That didn't show up at all. It was very self-reflective. It was like, well, why is this a nightmare right now? Well, let's look at you, buddy. Your big issues aren't your story. It's that you're not happy with how you're behaving. And instead of taking responsibility and changing your behavior, you're pointing the finger and blaming other people. and. As much as that might make you feel good in the moment to point the finger and it's your fault, it's not my fault, it's your fault, it's, you know, it's the world's fault, it's coronavirus's fault, it's Trump's fault, it's Biden's fault, it's keto zealot's fault. I'm just joking about that last one. Keto people help me make more money. But, uh, and and I'm not really political either, but but the coronavirus has certainly (laughs) made me feel that way personally. But I see so many people struggling with politics, Right. And, um, and what I would argue is that the real issues that you're having are not with politics or Trump or Biden or those types of things. It's yourself. It's how you're relating to what the world is into reality. And I don't mean that on a deep level. I mean that on a very simple level. It's like getting angry that the sun rises every morning. It's like, man, that's been going on long before you were here and long after you're gone. That'll be happening. It's just, it, it, it is what it is. Oh man, that's crazy. But you know, it is what it is. So it is what it is. I actually like that quote when it's not used to um, justify, you know, why we, you know, it's, why change it? It is what it is. But it's maybe the 12 step. It's like knowing what we can change or the serenity prayer. Sorry. It's knowing what we can change, what we have the power to change. Uh, you know, the power to change what we can, the power to accept what we can't, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Because all there is, is what we can control, what we can do. And so I realized I was not being cool with my dad. I wasn't being cool with, and it was affecting the way I was interacting with other people too, even though I don't think anybody would tell me I've been a dick lately or acting inappropriately, but it's like, I just haven't been connecting on a deep level when I'm talking to people. And what I mean is that on a very, in a very present way, present in the moment, listening, engaged, not stuck in my head about my drama from my life. 
the trauma that all of us have or will have, even if you've got a squeaky clean situation for life, I mean, you're still going to get old. You're going to have to deal with that. You're going to die. Before you die, your parents are going to die. If you have children, they're going to watch you die. Hopefully you'll never, hopefully it will happen that way. Think about this. It's a good thing that you die and leave your kids behind because the alternative is that your kids die before you die, right? Because living forever is not an option. So making peace with the things that you can't control and focusing on that and not letting the things that you can't control affect your ability to connect with others and to bring it back to health. As I've been talking about a lot lately, the biopsychosocial approach. What do most people want? Okay, how much exercise do I do? Okay, cool. How, what are the superfoods that uh, should I eat? What's their best macros? How much protein? How many grams of protein should I eat? What biohacks can I do? What sleep hacks can I do? What contraption can I strap to my head or nether regions even and do something there? We don't want to look into the psychological aspects, the, the, the chronic stress that so many of us endure that we know that chronic stress increases low-grade inflammation. But what do we do? Oh, well, let me just take some supplements or eat some superfoods. Let me not deal with the root of the problem, the problem that you know I need psychotherapy or the problem that I'm really struggling with relationships, going through a divorce struggling in, in, in work, not setting boundaries between work and personal life. I'm a, being a workaholic. No, we just like, okay, well, I, I'm stressed out. I'm crazy. Let me, what, what are some supplements I can buy? Everyone asks me about supplements and, and like little tweaks and hacks. And, and you know what? You get to a point where it just doesn't really move the needle. It's procrastination. It's running away from the problem. It's cowardice or laziness or, you know, being afraid of just some good old fashioned hard work. And I'm not saying this in, in a way like I'm judging you, I'm judging myself because I've been gu- guilty of all this. And so many of us, pretty much everyone is guilty of this to some extent, and that's okay. What's not okay is to not like the results that you're getting and being unwilling to change. That's not okay. And it's not okay because I say it's not okay. It's not okay because you feel it's not okay. And the social aspects of our life, how are your relationships with your friends, your family, your parents, your children, your extended family? Because that's what life is really about, isn't it? I mean, that's why so many people come to me to get healthier. It's because they want to be healthy because it's unacceptable for them not to be around for their children or to set a bad example for their children. So. These are just some of the the downloads I got from last night. And I just want to finish up. I want to change directions a little bit and just say this. At the end of all this talk today, what I'm really trying to get at here is not that, uh, well, I'll just very, if you're wondering the answer to the question, should I do ayahuasca or not? Should I try any of this craziness? Uh, If you could find a psychotherapist who uses psychedelics in their therapy, if that's an option for you, I would probably go there first. With the ayahuasca and the the indigenous, the ceremonies that take place, here's how you know if it's right for you or not. 
And this is how I knew it was right for me. I didn't want to go and do it. It's not a good time. It's work. It's hard work. Facing the truth about yourself and the fears, and sometimes not even facing the truth, having these stories that come up and you're wondering what is true and working through that confusion and lack of certainty. That freaking sucks. We want certainty. Did that woman put too much in the cup on purpose or not? And by the way, she didn't. I asked her afterwards. I said, did you give me a big dose or did you? She's like, no, I, we read what you said and I, I poured you what would typically be a second dose. So she was on my side. It was all in my head, that paranoia. So uh, to go through that, if you feel called, like you keep hearing about this and you just hear the stories and you're just like, I, I don't want to do it. It sounds, you know, the puking, the, the pooping, the visions, the scariness but I feel like I need to know. That's when, and, and it just, it gnaws at you and you just need to know. That's when you go and do it. And if it's a hard no for you, that's fine. And I will say one more thing. If last night was my first and only experience, man. Now here's the other thing. I have Rhythmia to compare it to. I went to Rhythmia in Costa Rica. It was an incredible experience. I got massages. I ate healthy food. I uh, was involved in a community of people all sharing the experiences. Go to Rhythmia. I don't know any other place to tell you to go that I can. I, I would not recommend the one last night with the bugs and the scorpions and the hard floor and your back is like, oh man, this sucks. And the strong ass medicine. And also there were so many people at Rhythmia to take care of you when you freaked out. Whereas here, uh, they just took me outside and like, hey, just breathe and be by yourself, but you can do this and, and make sure you learn. They really took care of you at the other place. So go to Rhythmia if you're going to do it and just do it. Just sign up and go do it. Uh, if you're not feeling the call, that's okay too. But search for things. Stop spending your money on supplements that mostly don't do that much including the Organifi that we promote at times. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good. I take it. All I'm saying is this. Stop looking for the shortcut. Stop popping pills and potions and powders and driving yourself into the ground with the gym and shoving superfoods in your face. Go do the real work. Try meditation. Try breath work. By the way, I'm doing a breath work session next week. One that's designed, not Wim Hof breath work, by the way. This is more, uh, and I can't really tell you the difference. I don't know that much about breath work, but this is more like, okay, well, this is to help you heal from trauma, help to get deep, um, help to bring things up. So that's the type of breath work I'm doing. Go do the, do these things. Have you, are you trying to get the, to the next level in your life and you keep running into roadblocks? I mean, so many of my clients, so many of the people who join the challenge even have things that come up for them. They can't set aside work to focus on themselves. That's a problem. If you've got a big belly and you're like, oh, I just, but I got to work all the time. That's bullshit. You're a, you're an addict, workout, workaholic. You've got issues. Prioritize yourself. And if you can't do it, then damn it, look for something to help you or stay stuck and don't complain, right? Or ask for help. 
which uh, I, I don't want to keep talking about this, but that was another thing I had to do last night. That was a lesson for me. I was struggling like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There are people here. There are people that can help me. Help. I had to ask for help. So many of us, especially men, but women too, won't ask for help. Oh, I'm, I'm not the type of person who asks for help. That's not a good thing. That serves to disconnect you from other people. People love helping other people. Maybe you have some of the trust issues that I have. Maybe, it, maybe you think it makes you seem weak, but at times we are weak and we don't need to struggle through things alone. And to try to smoothly transition that into a plug for the coronavirus comeback challenge, if you want me to guide you through a week of coaching where I coach you on nutrition, on exercise, there's no ayahuasca or breath work or meditation involved. It's just exercise and nutrition, but it's good stuff and it's mindset. I dive deep into the psychology of why we stay stuck. I show up every day on these, on, on, in this challenge and we do a live together and I help you get unstuck. And people lose two, three, four, even five pounds. I don't like mentioning that one though. I feel like it's, doesn't, it's only happened once, but uh, I can help you if you want help in this specific area. I don't have a hard date, but again, go to legendarylightpodcast.com slash challenge and sign up for it there. And I would ask you, what are you taking away from today's episode? What is the shift that listening to this episode has caused for you? What has it brought to light that maybe you weren't aware of before? And then most importantly, what are you gonna do different now that you have this awareness, what are you going to do with it? Because so many of us, we victimize ourselves, we point fingers, but really so many of us are upset about is we're not doing the things that we know we should do in our life. Not know we should do because society tells us we should do it because it's in congruence with our goals and our values. In other words, who we are and who we want to be. And action is the antidote because it gets you into the moment and gets one foot in front of the other. But so many of us were stuck in place. So what are you going to do to put one foot in front of the other and make a move, even if it's not the right move? You can learn and adjust course, but you've got to be in motion for you to adjust course. What are you going to do to take, move, uh, to, to take this awareness that you have and put it into a direction? to channel it, to turn the, to turn or transmutate the potential energy into kinetic energy. What are you going to do differently? That's what I'd like to leave you with. All right. I hope you have an amazing weekend. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. I hope you appreciated me sharing today because it wasn't easy, but I wanted to share with you. So I love you and I want us to rise up and be better and be happier, and be more fulfilled. That's really what we're facing. That's really the struggle we're facing. Not politics, not even the coronavirus. It's being better people. So again, have an amazing weekend, and I'll speak to you on Monday.